So, like, in the early 80s, there was a movie called Impulse. And um, these people go to a small town, and it turns out the water supply is tainted by a local chemical factory. And the chemicals in the water cause people to lose all impulse control, right? Nice. So, so it's alcohol, essentially. Well, no, because even with alcohol, you still have some things in there. This is like a total lack of being able to stop yourself from doing whatever comes into your mind. So, like, um, there's a scene where a guy's sitting in a car, and he's on the top of a hill, and he just reaches down and undoes the parking brake. And the, the car goes off and then crashes. People fuck each other all over the place. You know, people just stick their hands in fire. Yeah, it's like... It's, sounds like a great sounds like a great place to be. Yeah, it's like madness. It's like madness. Because you were like, no, 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 no. What it would happen like if we way... just did everything that popped into our head? It would be madness, and we would all die. Okay, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much right now. If we did whatever popped into our heads, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I would have long ago thrown myself off of a tall building or off the Golden Gate Bridge. Aw, because of me? No, not but not because I'm suicidal, but because when I'm near somewhere high, See, I didn't even say that. I know. Oh my goodness, now you're making me worry. No, because there is an impulse inside <coughs> of me, this really weird impulse, that when I'm ne- near a very high height and I can look way down, that I would, I could, there's a part of me that thinks I'll jump. Not because I'm suicidal, but that I'll just like, I gotta, I gotta jump, I gotta, I gotta jump. I don't do mm-hmm. it because I keep a lid on it, right? I can feel that weird feeling in your legs when you get vertigo, you know that thing? Yeah. Yeah, but I won't okay. do it. But there are reports of people who have gone to a high place and then seemingly just thrown themselves off of like a bridge. And people are like, I don't get it. They weren't suicidal. Everything was going great for them. They were riding their bike. They had plans that evening. They stopped on the bridge, got off the bike. This happens on the Golden Gate Bridge. Got off the bike and just leapt off. Okay, okay. So I know exactly how that feels. I've talked, I I think I've talked about the type of um, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder I suffered from. Yeah. Which is not a lack of impulse control. Mm-hmm. But that thoughts come into your head intrusively that you can you you're like holy shit am I am I capable of that yeah yeah so my my version my version usually centered around like it, it usually centered around being obsessed with uh, uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit but also um, I was very very obsessed with the idea that I might kill somebody really oh yeah I can't, oh yeah I that can't shit picture used to pop you into my head all the time my Addy killing anybody no 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 well that's the thing though it's basically a self-image problem that that is a, is a part of the obsessive compulsive disorder. So, mm-hmm. you know, a regular person and they may uh, it'll cross their mind like, man, I would really, really love to go to just follow that guy who just cut me off in traffic and get out of my car and just fucking punch him in the face, or or like or like do the pit maneuver on their car until it flips end over end off the highway <laughs> and they die. And you know what? The the thought comes into their head for a split second, maybe not that deep, but like the the thought comes into their head for a split second of actually causing the person harm that could be enough to kill them yeah but for the person who suffers from pure ocd they mm-hmm. obsess and worry that they're actually capable of doing it okay i always used to fantasize i wish i had like a big spatula in the front of my car so i could just like a like a flapjack just drive up behind him and just like get the spatula underneath the car and then it would just flip it over behind me and they would be gone and then i could continue driving and you would have no conscience about it whatsoever hey you know what book i just read i just finished reading what like for the first time because i I've been I've been putting it off for so long. I really hope Ameri- it's about a guy with American a car. Psycho. Oh yeah, okay. Reading or listening to? Uh, both, both. Okay. I just I, I just gave a copy of the book to my the the copy of my book to my son. Um, what he thinks he, he thinks. <laughs> My son's 20 years old. Man. I understand that, but you've discussed some of the things about your son at length on this show, and you gave him American Psycho? I do not believe that that's how TV and movies and video games work. I do not. I don't I don't care what article scientists <laughs> know. I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't believe it. Okay. Those things, say, I can tell you that I've never, I've, I've watched probably a kabillion horror movies, and I don't think I've ever harmed anyone. I know that that's a small sample size and it's just a personal experience but mm-hmm. I I can say uh, I can say without a doubt that what I was doing in handing him that book was the fact that he was he had seen the movie mm-hmm. he said yeah that movie's awesome because like like this and that and it, it it's just it, it looks it's you know it's really stylized and like the, the the camera work is really well and I'm like you do know that that book is essentially about like yuppie culture and he's he's mocking uh well I don't think I used these words but toxic masculinity that's essentially what the book is about you didn't say it like that though 
No, but I I said it's basically about it's basically about being overly overly masculinized, like being overly manly. And like I I told him that in 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 the it's 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 I, I don't know I don't know how to explain it the way I explained it to him because it was a while ago. And then I just handed him the book today, and I'm like, you got to understand that everything he does is it's question it's questionable as to whether or not he did it because he's considered an unreliable narrator. That's mm. actually a type of character arc in in quite a few books. Mm-hmm. Um, the character the main character in Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five is it's I wait. Do you think he n- didn't character. experience any of those things, or that he's a crazy person? Who uh, uh Patrick Bateman? No, in Slaughterhouse Five, uh, Johnny uh, oh, it's Billy Pilgrim. Oh no! It, well, the, I believe that he was there for the bombing of Dresden. Yeah. Um. You know the things like in his childhood, like when his father throws him in the pool and the swinker uh, sink or swim. Right. Like that. Those things happen, but everything that happens on Tralfamador, that I don't, I don't think that actually happened. What? That aliens shaped like hands didn't talk to him. Um, shaped like worms. I thought I, they were shaped as, like hands. So I, as I understood it, and the the book describes that a, a Tralfamadorian begins at one end as a child and ends at one end as an adult because they experience time in such a different way that they are that arc Mm -hmm. throughout their whole existence. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I think you're right about the unreliable narrator part. I don't think he was kidnapped and forced to have sex with a beautiful woman. Yeah, definitely not. But all the things that happen on Earth, probably, like walking into the bathroom and finding his son on the toilet with Mm -hmm. a guitar in his lap and he's like, I don't think there's anything interesting to know about my son. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be my favorite part of the book. I'm like... (laughs) All right, let's let's go. You ready? (coughs) Sure, if I don't die. Don't die. In three... Two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let Me Finish Two Men, One Story, One Million Interruptions. I am Jason Harding. And I am Atticus Poopants. And on this show, Atticus reads a story, and I interrupt him with jokes and stuff. And this time around, we're reading another listener story, right, Eddie? We are. And who is the story from? It's from Imani. It's from what? Imani. Imani? Yes. Thank you, Imani, for the story. And remember, you guys, <coughs> if you want to have your story read on the show, please go to the Let Me Listen podcast website, go to the contact page, and leave it for us there, or contact me through there and let me know how you'd like to send it to me. And now it's time for the reading of the story. It's my turn, No, it's not. Read the story, Addy. (coughs) I'm the one that keeps making Atticus cough. Well, stop it or I'll kill you. I can't. I'm a part of his personality. No, you're not. I'm still here. (laughs) Badinga. I'm gonna make a musical called Badinga. (laughs) I'm still here. Badinga. Trumping around with my dick over my shoulder. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> you better hope you don't go crazy and Jeff's the only part of your personality. You're, <coughs> the ultimate irony is you're in an old age home and he's like, okay, so Grandpa thinks his name is Jeff and he's got a 24-long <coughs> dick. So just go with it or he gets really upset. All right. Hold on. No. <laughs> Imani. We will have a rebellion if we do it. Okay, we're going to do a character night. You're going to do that character. I'll have to come up with. Oh, I think I'll do this character through the whole fucking show. You can't get any. No. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I didn't even use her once three weeks ago. That's awful, isn't it? I'm the most terrible person you've ever met. No, that would be. That would. That would be. Good. <laughs> No, that would no. I take that back. That's Danny. Manny. <clears throat> Manny is the worst. Manny. Hold whatever. On, everybody, hold on. No, come <laughs> on. Let's read the story. Okay. All right. Hi, Atticus. And Hi. Ooh, they used my name first. <laughs> I hate Get the you now. Fuck out of my throat. Renaming oh. the show the Jason and Atticus show. No, but it you it sounds better. It flows better if you say Jason and Atticus. No, it doesn't. Atticus and Jason is fine. Mm, no. Okay, whatever. You always say your name first. You always have. We gotta figure out what we're gonna put on the wedding invitations. <laughs> so gross. So gross. <laughs> Me and you get married and then that night we get all lubed up. Ew. Ew. Ugh. Ugh. We become human slip and slide. A minute for each ago other. a minute ago I had a raging heart on and now all of a sudden it's gone. <clears throat> I did it. <laughs> I win. 
<laughs> I killed the boulder. I hear. Uh, do I get a piece? Of, what's that red candy inside the strawberry package? What are you talking about? You know those candies that people put in their ashtray for people who come in, and it's got a little wrapper shaped like a straw, colored like a strawberry, and on the inside it's got a hard candy with a little jelly in the middle. Yeah, it's just a strawberry candy. I don't know what it's called. Oh man, there's no name for that. I bet there is, but I have no idea. <coughs> it's never Actually, anything there, good. When I was a kid, those were one of my favorite candies. The strawberry ones. You're weird. No, no. Well, I don't know. People eat ribbon candy. Uh, my my ex-wife eats ribbon candy. Oh, she buys what? it in the boxes. <laughs> yeah. That's like saying, I, I like Werther's ribbon candy. I like a I like a big old peppermint stick every once in a while. I like a mouthful of Reason chocolate chews. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she she likes she likes the hard the hard candies and <clears throat> if you give her a candy cane, uh-huh. okay, and and everyone's gonna get this as soon as I said it. If uh-huh. you give her a candy cane, yeah, yeah, she will make the end of it sharp within a couple of minutes. Oh, will she? <laughs> yeah. Can you do that was, and videotape it? <laughs> no, I uh, the first like within the first few weeks of meeting her uh, or months, I think it was almost Christmas time. Yeah, she was she was sitting at the desk at the at the nursing home we worked at, and she, and I went I went over and she pulled the candy cane out of her mouth, and it was as sharp as a fucking needle. I used to do that all the time, and I was like, w- what the fuck? She's like, what? I just I just practiced this, and I'm like, practice. <laughs> She still does it to this day. I keep knocking my microphone off its axis. Here. Stop doing it. <coughs> Anyways. Sorry, Imani. We talked about candy. Did you know that one time when I was in intermediate school, I took a grape Jolly Rancher candy and I bit down on it? it. I butthole. bit down on it with my yeah. teeth, you know, just kind of constant pressure and panicked when I couldn't open my jaws again because it had cemented my lower jaw and upper <laughs> jaw together. I once I once choked on a butterscotch candy. Well, ugh, why were you even putting that in your mouth? I don't know, I was five, it was 1986, and I was living in, in, in Rhode Island, where all the weirdest, weirdest Where the weirdest happened. candies live? <coughs> no, I, I was, um, <coughs> god damn it. <coughs> there. Okay, so, I was sitting, I was eating lunch, and uh, my mother, I was the youngest, so I went to school last, since I was five, I met, I missed cutoff for, for first grade that year, I, and I was born, I'm born in January, mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been old enough to, to meet the cutoff before then. Yeah. So I was alone with my mom, and she made me lunch, and, and there were butterscotch candies in the middle of the table. Oh, okay. And after I finished my sandwich and drank my milk, and <coughs> I grabbed one of these candies, and it, I inhaled, and it went, huh, and went into the bottom of my throat, right before before, right before the the um, right after the esophagus, but right before it branches off into the lungs, and I'm and it's caught there, and I'm going, hoo, 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 and my mom walks over and she goes, "Are you okay?" And all of a sudden I go, and it comes out of my mouth and lands on the table, and she goes, "Oh, oh, well, I'm okay. I'll never forget." She wasn't surprised or scared or anything. I know she didn't have t- much time to, yeah, but she's a nurse. Could you so... breathe through your nose? <clears throat> no, it was it was definitely blocked off everything. I could not breathe. Hmm. Did she say curses? It didn't work. <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing. Anyway, I, Imani's no, you're story. Explain that or I'm, I'm not, not gonna. On. I'm just implying no. that your mother was trying to murder you. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said curses that didn't work. That's what I said. Curses that didn't no, work. Cur- no, curses that didn't re- Say the sentence in a different vein. Curses that cur- didn't work. No, curses that didn't work. Like, as in she was saying curses like like spells that didn't no. work. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, curses like an old-timey gotta, villain. Curses gotta, that didn't work. <laughs> you gotta remember that I just finished reading the Harry Potter series. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Avarda fucking Gadarva. <sighs> Avarda Kabarba. Sectum Sempra. You know, the only uh, the only thing about the Harry Potter books... Amani, I swear to God, we'll get to your story. <laughs> the only thing about the Harry Potter books that I found inauthentic... Not enough fucking groping, grasping, you know, cupping. Not enough preteen sex. No, none of the teenagers had to leave the school for a summer to take care of something. You know, it was like 
No one ever had sex in any of the. Have you have you ever seen the thing? Have you ever seen like the an inside J.K. Rowling's house, like in her books and stuff that she wrote for Harry Potter? No. So this woman has like a catalog of every single student from Harry Potter's year until he graduates. Uh Who died? Where they're from? Something unique about them. Right. And and how they might or might not know Harry, including the first in incoming years of every year. Okay. So that's like thousands of page of, of, of not patients, a thousands of, of students. Uh-huh. She, I, it would not surprise me if that was in there somewhere in one of, the, she has I, like, 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 I bet they, I bet a lot of them shit. get really dirty. I bet a lot of them get real I, fucking dirty. I can tell you the, the way that it's written, it makes it seem like that she, without creating, like without having to write uh, the story for everybody else, she wrote a lot of side stories that got cut out. Like, but I, yeah, I get what you're saying. So, like, you can't say that there wasn't a time when... when we were both <laughs> teenage boys. We know how our eyes and mind minds worked. There yeah. was never a thing where Harry went, Harry saw Ginny and his eyes hovered around the fullness of her breasts in her uniform. There was nothing like that. There was never a fantasy of Ron, um, you know. I think... I think that in in the Half Blood Prince, he does talk quite often about fantasizing about when he falls asleep with her. He fall when he falls asleep, he fantasizes about her. Yeah, but, it's, but they don't. She doesn't yeah. describe it. She she alludes to a lot of things that are there, like like she puts in the f word instead of saying fuck. Yeah, like uh, it, it, there, you know. But she does. She and does yes, just, I know these are books for children. But no, 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 no. <laughs> the first book was for children. The rest of them for the people who grew up reading them. Actually, That's I. Disagree. I, I think that the books evolved based on the idea that a child picked up the first Harry Potter, read it, they were a little bit older, so the next Harry Potter was written a little bit more mature, and they just continued in that That's vein. That's what I just said. That is literally what I just no, said. No, you said only the first book is for children, and the rest are for older kids. <laughs> Or for older people. As they got older. Nah, you did it. You did it. Oh my god, you are such a nerd. You are such <laughs> a nerd. This is one of the reasons I'll never, I'll never ever play fucking D&D with you. Because you'll do that. In the middle of it, you'll like, you'll like get up and be like, that's not how that works. I don't do Elves that. Elves can shoot fire out of their dicks. If you ever listen to me playing D&D on the other show, I don't do that. Mm. I'm not that right. knowledgeable about D&D in the, in the first place. I figure really good. These are a collection of writings for high school. That's what it says. What are you doing? And early college. Primarily senior year. I'm reading the story. Oh, right. A money story. <laughs> I hope these will last you for two episodes. Well, we'll see. Well, now it will. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> The chapter titled Paragraphs are my feelings and thoughts of of book into what just happened. I didn't do anything. I just got a message or something on Skype. I didn't didn't get one. That was very weird. What happened? Did it go bloop? <coughs> yeah. Anyways. I'm not text messaging you. Okay. Are you seeing another uh, another podcast and telling them that the podcasts are telling them that you're you're their best friend? Yes. If I go on the internet and find you on another podcast and you break my heart, this is over. It's <laughs> been five years, Jason. Shut up. We haven't suffered bed death yet. Bed death? What's that? You've never heard of bed death? No, you probably. I probably know what it is. I just don't know that it's. Well, called my bed first death. experience with it was in a description. It was called lesbian bed death. But I think it happens in a lot of relationships where the people just stop having sex. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why do they <laughs> they stop fucking? That's that's usually what happens after you get married. <laughs> not always. Yes. No, Don't not lie. always. Yeah, for the children who are listening, you want to have sex so badly. Guess what? Don't get married because you'll stop having sex. There you go. That's some advice from Jeff. That's some advice from a fictional character out of Eddie's head. The sex ends. It dies. What happened to your children again, Jeff? I threw them off a roof and they died. <laughs> <laughs> they, and they flew away. They went. And why did you throw them off the roof? Because they are pod people. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Jeff, I heard that there's a, since Alex Jones is going out of business, there's a new opening for a crackpot. You could be the new crackpot. No, I, I don't believe the earth is flat or the GMOs. You, you got to remember, I, I have Atticus's education. I'm not a stupid, crazy person. I'm just a crazy person. I don't see any evidence of that, Jeff. <laughs> Do you remember that time I told you that there has to be an eclipse, a solar eclipse on Earth every single day? <laughs> <laughs>
They're the memories. See, this is why I should be on the show more often. Is that why? <laughs> when I picture Jeff in my head, I, I picture an unshaven gentleman with a hat that has a brim that's so, so, so worn in from him cupping it to the sides of his head that it, like the tip of it is worn off as well. And he's got a big nose that, that's overgrown because he's st- the nose is starting to get bigger because he's over 60. Okay. And he's wearing a pink sweater that says Maine on it. And, <laughs> that says and it, Maine on it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I just see a very dirty person. <laughs> Jorge Azevedo uh, drew a picture of uh, Jeff where he was yeah, just he wearing, yeah where he was a rotund gentleman with a mustache dressed as a referee. <laughs> nah, nah, I would never do that. All right, anyway, anyway, Amani story. <laughs> As I start dying again. Please stop smoking. Stop dying. Please stop smoking, please. The chapter entitled Paragraphs are my feelings and thoughts of the book Into the Wild at the time. Oh, that's a happy-go-lucky feel-good Yay! book. Yay! <laughs> Skip to the part with the berries. I have not proofread through anything to keep my words at the time truthful and a surprise for everyone. You know what would make a good buddy film? What? Timothy Treadwell, the guy from uh, Grizzly Man and the dude from Into the Wild. I don't know who the first one is. Timothy Treadwell? He was the guy who thought he had a personal relationship with the bears and that he was like a bear whisperer or something like that and he seemed to like bears more than people and then one night a bear came into his camp and ate him and his girlfriend. Um, Grizzly Man? Yeah, Grizzly man that's what i said okay no i'm looking at them i'm looking at a movie it's like a can film festival movie yeah it was he made by into... werner herzog <coughs> oh werner herzog i want to see more pictures of this gentleman because <laughs> hold on a second you really don't listen to any of my other podcasts do you <laughs> No. Okay. This no, was, I, I just no, curious. I listen. Will you let me finish a fucking sentence? <laughs> yes. I listen. I listen to um, late seating quite often, but I do miss quite a few episodes. If I went back now, I'd probably have hundreds of hours to listen to because, uh, yeah, I don't recognize him, but I, I guess. Okay. I guess. Sorry, I ruined your joke. You did. Way to go. Hopefully, Imani's funny. Also, Imani's trying funny. to read anything this old scares me shitless. Shitless. Okay. The next, an essay about the orphanage, a horror film directed by J.A. Bayona. Oh! I don't know if this is the finished version. This is the only one I could find. Okay. The final two handouts are from early college. If you see unknown, I don't know what happened to the rest of the paragraph. Have fun. Chapter two, first he talks about the trail that discontinued in the 1930s and that was was an abandoned bus that had a person, had a dyed person inside. There was a dyed person? (laughs) What color were they? I'm blue. I am blue now. I'm Werner Herzog sitting in the magic bus in Alaska. Werner Herzog talks like this. Werner Herzog did, yes. He's very... Hold on a second. Bleak. I'm on the magic bus. It was at this moment that Jason realized that his friend's cinematic acumen was making him feel depressed. (laughs) Mine? I'm sorry. That was a joke! Oh my god! Can we read the story, please? Can we read... You pay me for a joke. What? You pay me for a joke. I pay you. Pay me for a joke. Here you go. You're ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Funny joke, right? Hey! He said several people found the bus with the dyed body inside of it. <laughs> Why? Does it, does it, does it no, say dyed? It says dyed. D-I-D-D-I-E-D. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think that this was probably translated from another language. Okay. Uh, okay. The beginning was very random to me, especially since the teacher said that he was put his own stories in the book. Then I felt pity for the boy. Yeah, this is definitely translated from okay. another language. Okay. He was, he was then found read it with an accent. He was found in such a pathetic state of being. However, okay, you turn instantly pity, into your own trash. <laughs> before the pity, sadness, soon following, I felt nothing, just a black hole of empty space, <laughs> waiting to be filled with emotion. Felled with emotion. That's what it says. <laughs> I guess Chris, being a character I knew nothing about, caused that rejection. Maybe I didn't want to feel anything for someone like that. Or maybe it's because he's someone who lived. That's what it says. Okay. People laughed, played, joked, teased him. <laughs> I can't do it for too long. Okay. Send it to As me. I'll read it. I already read said, it. you want me to send it to you? Send it to me. I'll read it. I'll read it. As wor- this is almost perfect Werner Herzog di- uh, dialogue. <laughs> oh, God. I need more stories about people pooping their pants. <laughs> 
You heard that, listeners. It's a listener challenge. Have send, you? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm being serious. Send send a story. I just sent it. Send a story. It, send each your story of the time you shit your pants. Did you really okay? just say that? Send me each. <laughs> send me. I know that once in your entire life, you have probably shit your pants or, que- or, or queefed your pants. Queefed or, your pants? <laughs> oh, no. I queefed my pants. Or done something it, it discharged in your pants. I'm gonna barf if you do. I gotta that. say, I've never, I've never ejaculated in my pants ever. I'm I've never been I. so horny that I was like, oh, 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 without touching it or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's never happened to me. However, I have shit my pants. I think most people have. That's what I'm saying. So I want all of the listener stories, just a little blurb, even if it's about five seconds. Yeah, I was at Walmart. I I walked around and I got myself a, a, a bulb of garlic. Had it in the palm of my hand and all of a sudden I shit my pants. I okay, had here we go. Ready? And and wipe my ass with my own underwear <laughs> and throw it away. Okay. If I typed his name into Google, I who find pictures and documents of him by him. That's scary to think about, you know, to find a decomposed body alone with no identification or anything. Purely and horribly sad and pitiful. I would never wish anyone this sadness we call his death. However, I still felt nothing. Thing. If I'm being honest, I felt he earned what he got, and that was that. Yowza! <laughs> um, you know what? A I'm... lot of people, a lot of people, do say that it served him right because he was a yuppie kid yeah. who only learned the bare minimum about survival. I never then, understood yeah. why people, people idealize him. Yeah. yeah, they romanticize him like he's oh my goodness he went out into the woods and like became one with the trees and it's more like yeah the dumb motherfucker got went into Alaska yeah. thinking that being unprepared. away from everybody else yeah. was better unprepared unknowledgeable about the place that he was going to be living in which is what eventually killed him right uh-huh. and people were like oh but he was living his thing and he wanted to get... I'm not saying that his his ideals you know the, the thought that he had was necessarily bad but guess what number one wasn't original right read Walden <laughs> Pond asshole there's somebody who decided I was going to leave civilization for a little while and at least he had shelter and a way to get food because he fucked Thoreau fucking did it right what you did was you wanted to become a goddamn hermit and then you ate bad berries and you shit yourself to death right that is how he died right yes okay and he couldn't digest any new food wow this gets better so i felt he earned what he got and that was that the end see ya wouldn't wanna be ya So I guess that was that was what was so pitiful to me, not his death, but what I felt when reading about it. Now isn't that pathetic? Chapter three. Chapter three. Chapter three. It starts in South Dakota. Now you're doing it like him. (laughs) It starts in South Dakota, where he meets a guy named Westberg. I don't know how, but when the book went out, I'm like, this is so stream of consciousness. (laughs) You know you do it. Okay. Oh, God. Chapter three. It started in South Dakota where you met a guy named Westerberg. I don't know how, but then the book went on to the topic (coughs) of he's in college years and gave a snapshot of him, his home life. Okay. At the beginning, I got this very mysterious, distant outlook on Alex. He was like the Bella to Twilight's Forks. (laughs) Jesus. I like this version of Chris, you know, quiet and not bothering people with his problems type of guy. I know this seems like a jump from a chapter two, but he straight up pissed me off in this chapter. I still think in my little funk from chapter two, but then I get his letter he wrote to his sister. One word. What? I'm sorry. Let me set this up for you. His parents were going to buy him a new car as his graduation present, and he recused. I can respect that. He already has a car that runs like it's new. He doesn't need a new one. Fair enough. For me, especially if that's his reasoning. But that's not even close to his logic. He think from what I am read, what I'm reading, that his parents want his respect or something because they wanted him to buy a car. I'm sorry. What his parents should really have his respect. In fact, they earn what they gave birth to you. Or maybe when they got up every night to lull you back to sleep in. That that 
first few months of your birth, or maybe when they took care of you until the age of 18, or when they paid for your coach education. You oblivious, self-centered, pig-headed jerk. Your parents should have been had your brilliant, all-important respect. This should be a YouTube video. This is definitely they like a aren't good the ones rant. being disrespectful. You are. I know I'm lecturing a dyed person, but goodness, I need to unknown. <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. I love this because this is. You know what? I hate to say it. I feel kind of the same way. We just mentioned it, too. He was kind of rich. He disrespected his parents. Down with society. Only a rich, rich white kid could come up with this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move to Alaska. I, I wanted to... Never mind. You wanted to anyway, what? You wanted, I wanted to, move? to move to Alaska. I Why? I doing that a lot. And live in a bus oh. and die? No. I oh, wanted, okay. I actually considered for a very long time, like, just going out there to become, like, a fisherman. Oh, okay. And really? living my life off the coast, looking at the, looking at the, um, you know, the northern lights. Oh, that's nice. That's cute. Yeah. Why didn't you do it? Um, I met Dana. Ah, uh, okay. I got so my if, dick wet. <laughs> if you if you hadn't met Dana, you would have moved to Alaska and become a fisherman, and then there would be no Little Miss, and then there would be no you and me. <coughs> Dude, I... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I probably would have stayed. Even if I didn't meet her, I probably would have stayed here my entire mm. life and probably would have ended up banging some other girl to prove that I was straight. And... <laughs> okay, chapter four. Wait, i got to find it so I can read it along with okay. you. There we go. Okay. Chapter four. Some national park rangers find Chris's car <coughs> abandoned in the park. Then it goes on to describe the route he took to get to the Gulf of California. Okay, this chapter was very boring and not as eventful as the ones before. So boring. I had to reread okay i'm changing who i'm changing it i'm changing it chapter four some national park rangers find chris's car abandoned in the park okay then he goes on to describe the route back to the gulf of california okay this chapter was very boring and not as eventful as the one before so boring i had to reread it to remember what went on in the chapter however i did get mad when he left the note on his car he defended that car and now he just leaves it there i mean Seriously, I'm now getting the feeling that I either got no emotions or feel mad about everything. Yeah, I know he left his car because there was a flood, although he shouldn't have been driving off-road in a restricted area anyway. He also ran into a couple that took him in to knock some sense into him. In actuality, they were fighting a losing battle. He was far too gone into his adventure to come back into the real world. Anyway, this chapter was a bit slow, and I'm pretty much done with Chris. In fact, I think I'm pretty much all out of my angry stage and onto my I don't care at all anymore stage. I just feel like he's a very destructive person naturally and that he wanted to be something more than another person on this earth. Someone that the USA would remember for a long time or maybe he secretly wanted to write a book bragging about his younger days when he was exciting and not some boring office worker. Either way, I'm just over it and you him know what? That's in total. That's actually a really good observation it is. I'm willing to bet that that is what he was thinking. I want to have something that I can romanticize for myself. Yeah. And what because he doesn't he understand to is be alone. You, you can't intentionally go out and fabricate something to then romanticize later, right? Yeah. Okay. So he went out and actually did it. Right. Mm. Chapter five. Chris's journey isn't well documented. I can't do that. <laughs> Chris's, Chris's journey isn't well documented in the beginning, but he finds his way back to Ballhead City. There he helps a bird <laughs> with his book. What? What are you laughing at? No, it's just Bullhead City, where the what, where the something something done <laughs> and the girls are pretty. <laughs> Take me down to the Bullhead City where the the grass is not there because it's in the <laughs> desert. Probably <laughs> fuck me in the sand. <coughs> there he helps there Burris. He helps, there you go. There he helps Burris with the book selling, and it does and is out on the road again in a few weeks. Okay, this chapter is dull in the startup, but does get better after the after the first two pages can i say it's amazing how he keeps in touch with all the people by postcard but doesn't even have the decency to send his parents anything but a ticket yeah he's a guy with all his priorities in order anyway also we get to see his working habits as the author interviews two of the assistant managers at his place of work i personally wasn't surprised at what they had to say chris would put his hand in the fryer later and then pull the burning flesh off his skin. <laughs> no, i'm kidding chris has this fight against the government and and it's oppressing in its oppressing ways kind of attitude. 
attitude about life. However, oh my god, like I haven't ever heard that mm-hmm. shit. However, when this when he starts working for Burrs, he is actually a great book salesman and he's great at getting people to buy things. So maybe next time he tries to find a job, maybe in a bookstore. I'm sorry, but he can do nothing to surprise me anymore. If I'm being frank, his personality is a tiring wheel of repetition that I'm that I'm being ready to get off for a while now. As a matter of fact, the first chapter one, uh, the first chapter I was ready to stop, uh, ready for it to stop. Anyway, I have been looking for some biased opinions by the author. I finally got some. Let me just say, I know which which he's leaning towards. Sixth chapter. <laughs> oh wow, it's it reverse sixth chapter. <laughs> during Chris McCandless's days as a hitchhiker across America, he meet a man named Donald Franz. Ron was an old veteran with a sad, lonely past. Well done, Chris. Well done. Well, I don't know. I'd find that kind of interesting, but you have officially outdone yourself. This whole chapter, I was trying to keep from tears because I knew this were big-hearted man was going. I don't know why, but the old man foolishly loved Chris. Sometimes I wonder when and why the offer started to become so biased with his little story he just had had to be one of the reasons. Oh, did, I don't know. Was that in the book? Did that guy actually love Chris, like, in a sexual way? I don't know. Or, I don't know if it's in a sexual way. I mean, if you liked him before, now there is a little resentment towards him. Knowing that it wasn't Chris's fault for that, for what Ron, but he had to see it in the man's eyes or feel it in the air when they talked. He was changing Ron's life and the way he viewed the world. Ron loved the company of Chris, and he and he would have probably given him the world if he wanted it. I could hear how upset the writer was to hear the old man's feelings towards Chris. Oh, the, oh, the, the sister wrote the book, so the mm-hmm. sister's like, ew, ew. Maybe. That, that's what he just explained. That's what he just explained. I could hear how upset the writer was to hear the man's feelings towards Chris. Ron was alone in the world, and again, I wish I could do something for him. I wish he didn't meet Chris, and I wish he wasn't such a bullhead. <coughs> Chris is a runner going headfirst into situations, not thinking of the consequence or the damage done. He runs headfirst into a red cape like a bull. I, I can't hate Chris for what happened to Ron, but Ron can resent him for pushing. Chapter 10. Well, they skipped some. Mm-hmm. It's your turn. The author flash forward to the time around Chris's death. He talks about who reports the story and suspected of that it may be Chris. Okay, why does the author jump around so much? I mean, come on, he's like an anxious child that can't sit still because they're always, they are waiting for presents to be open, all presents. Mm-hmm. She had to bring up presents, didn't she? Mm-hmm. I can't wait for Santa Claus to come down the chimney so I can beat him up or take on a bag of presents for myself and pick out the good ones and throw away the bad ones. Like um, encyclopedias. I hate Oswald? encyclopedias. What? Can you read, please? Uh, I can rewatch. Then he puts those stories in the middle of the actual story. Why? What does it do to enrich the story and plot? Although I guess he doesn't need a plot. The story being based on true events and all that jazz. Actually, thinking about it, why didn't Chris hit the major city if he wanted to get loose? But then I guess I, I don't think he had, like, the fakeness of it all. I don't think I'm looking at the whole personality of Chris. More like bits and pieces. Mmm, bits and pieces. You ever <laughs> eat some bits and pieces or something like when you get to the end of the cereal and it's just bits and pieces and stuff. I do I, that with every bag of chips. I save it up. I save up the dust and then I add just a little bit of milk and it makes like a cereal paste. <laughs> I, You know what? I used to do that too. <laughs> um, I forgot where I was reading. Oh, him being a walking contradiction and all makes him seem more like a fictional <laughs> than real. If this story went in order and the author didn't ho- ho- hope around so much, Chris would probably, in my case, be the protagonist. Be the protagonist that I protagonized. And he helped me with it. What's a word? Protagonist. Protagonist. That I would still not like, but without it being intense hatred that fades into an I don't care. I would have liked my distaste for him to grow and fester like a bump filled with pus. It's gross. I can't finish <laughs> reading this gross story. How could you dare you make me think about a bump of pus? Ugh. A bump that wants to be one of the twisted satisfaction in, in reading that he dies. A delicious surprise. Delicious bumpy pus? No! That's wrong! Get this out of my head! Delicious surprise for those with the same bump. See, what this character does now is shows, like, I enjoy murder or something. 
Do you? Do Armani, do you enjoy Mordo? It probably doesn't help that he's a real person and not just a character in a fictional book. <laughs> Your turn. Chapter 11. The author has an interview with Chris's parents, and they talk about Chris's childhood. Throughout high school, Chris was very, very into giving to charities and helping people that are less fortunate. I, I gotta say, Jason, though, I the more I the more I think about Chris McCandless, like, I liked the movie that they made, but it's not really what happened. What I it's probably biased. see, mm-hmm. what I see is a pretentious jerk who was only doing things to show how, how into helping people he was. Yeah. And, and how he's like, he's like, he's probably one of those people who's like, yeah, well, I'm vegan because I help animals. Uh, Why are you telling me this? It's called attention. It's called yeah. attention. Look at me. Yeah. Look, look at me and how, and how loving I am towards animals. I'm not going to do what everyone else does. I'm going to do things that make me look great. Like, where put Aquanet in my hair. What? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. What makes a person look great when he died? I don't know. I don't know he died in 1995 or something um, like that. He didn't die looking great. He shit himself to death. <laughs> I hope he had some Aquanet in that goddamn <laughs> I hope I hope that that's all he had left. I really do. I hope that I hope that along with those stupid berries and that moose he tried to he tried the moose meat he tried to cook that turned into you know rotting fly covered shit. <laughs> he had he had a can of Aquanet that he had to use like he sprayed it on like wood to dry it off to catch it on fire to keep his goddamn <laughs> self warm, and then he died. I hope his last moments were really fucking painful. No. Oh, more than likely they were. Good. He pr- probably Good. from dehydration. You know, if you get if you get the shits for too long, it it doesn't take long for you to dehydrate with really bad diarrhea. That's true. So I'll keep saying that I wish he was. <laughs> what? I'm glad. I'm glad you're dead. I'm like Jack Nicholson in Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> I'm glad you're dead. <laughs> Anyway, throughout high school, Chris was very into giving to charities, fakely, and helping people less fortunate so people could see, and was offered a job that turned it, but turned it down to go on to a road trip before college. Okay, so Chris wasn't a city, wasn't city boyish as I thought in the beginning, and he was smart too. That's not really a surprise since, since his dad's like a rocket scientist or something along those lines. And like <laughs> any other parent, he's, he's forced to do things he didn't want to do. I mean, my mom made me do a debut a debutante because she didn't want me to want me make she didn't want to make me feel like I was giving my older sister better treatment or something. Personally, I knew this wasn't my experience to have, and I was uh, and I was right. It was terrible. <laughs> I felt like I was on a different playing field than the girls with the with both parents there. In a habit of parting. Wait, you only had one. Okay, I, I didn't get where that was. <laughs> you you have divorced. Okay, all right. Uh-huh. In a habit of parting and having at least one boyfriend. Long story short, I didn't make any new of my lifelong friends like the paper said I would. So I trust and believe. I know how it feels to be forced into something. Anyway, Chris is a pretty okay dude in this chapter. With him giving to charities and all him helping out the hobo was not okay though because he stabbed him in the face and then left him on the train tracks to be split apart by <laughs> no, I'm sorry <laughs> I mean, maybe hobos were nicer and not drug addicts, but I would ha- I would help whether or not someone I don't know to stay in my trailer. What if he she steals something? Mm. That would be that would be very nice. That wouldn't be very nice, now would it? Your turn. I lost track. Chapter twelve. Chapter twelve. The author continues his story about Chris's background, his grades in school, well, college, and his growing discomfort with the way things are in his life. The chapter goes from when he came back to his time during college. Okay, let us start with his return from the road trip before college. Let me say the word college five more times. College, 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 always, and college. When I was a little kid, I used to read, I, 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 I had to teach my mind to read that as college and not collage. Oh. Uh, yeah. He comes back with a bad sunburn and a half die. What? <laughs> Because he got lost in the desert. Now, most people would would be just fine not going on a road trip without a pattern again. But no, Chris quite obviously goes out on his own again without a moment of hesitation. He just does it. However, this trip was different because he found out his father was leading a double life. And instead of talking about it, he bubble and boil like hot water on the stove. Why don't you just say something? I mean, I know in the beginning this could have been a shock and a letdown. However, if, he, if it were me, there was 
water would have boiled over and then we would have to talk. Because as much as you hate your parents, you love them even more. Maybe after Alaska, he would have tried to talk with his parents, but I guess we'll never know. In fact, the only reason this story is relative is because he died. I'm sure that if he was a server, he would have... He would have had his moment of fame, and then he would fade into history, like most writers. Okay, so that's it. We're going into the orphanage now, I guess. <laughs> because we're jumping right into the orphanage. Okay. All right. The orphanage. Well, if what this makes... one's... Remember, we're getting... Yeah, okay, go. Okay. What makes a story scary? Monsters! You... Ghosts! Blood! <laughs> Bloody monsters and ghosts! A, a ghost on its period! <laughs> 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 That's the title. <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> Ghosts on their period. <laughs> I couldn't inhale there for a second. I used to think it was easy for the movies because it's all in the music. They didn't need a reason for fear like horror novels or short stories. However, the orphanage had barely any music in it and was still disturbing to say the less. The le- the less. That's what it says. Okay. And what about those books and tales? They tell a story quite well without any mu- any without all any music. So what is it? Personally, when it's someone realistic and it leaves room for the imagination. This book can hook me into any story. <laughs> the <ghost laughs> of <your period>. <laughs> <I can't>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh goodness. The Orphanage, Little Things by Raymond Carver and World War Z by Max Brooks falls perfectly into all three points. I don't like paying to scare myself, so naturally I don't go to the movies <coughs> to watch horror films, films, but this movie was actually entertaining to watch. Oh my god, his death is even stupider than I thought. Who's death? McCandless's death. Okay, okay. so so he go, he goes up, okay, for those people who don't know what that whole thing about, is about this jerk who goes into Alaska and dies, and he eats berries and he poops to death. That's pretty much what we said. But no, what he we eats didn't berries say, that block him from digesting food. He hiked off into the Denali National Park. He didn't have a topic graphical map he had a gun with like nine bullets oh yeah yeah no like, people offered to give him a map and he was like nah fuck it and they yeah, and then the, the guy it. hands him a pair of boots the guy yeah. actually yeah he's like here's a pair of boots because he didn't yeah. have a fucking pair of boots mm-hmm. in snow-covered tundra fucking yeah. alaska yeah so he was foraging for edible <coughs> plants and uh he hunted porcupines and squirrels and shit like that and he did manage to shoot a moose but the meat spoiled within days after he killed it because he didn't know how to preserve it because one once again, he was a dumbass lunkhead. And this wasn't even during winter yet, right? He was living in a... He found an abandoned bus, an abandoned tour bus, and he was living out of it. And um, some people think that he had been vandalizing cabins in the area that had food. So he was breaking in and taking the food and the survival equipment and the emergency respo- uh, supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said that he was not considered a viable suspect because I guess they didn't find the shit. So maybe he didn't do it. Um, but no... And- I think the worst part about it is that if you if you read up on it, there was actually a way for. Uh, there's a river that he yeah, he, he that's encounters, the thing. and he's looking at it and going, "Oh fuck, I can't because it's I just can't a go raging back. river." Mm-hmm. If he had walked one mile north, not up, even one mile, he would have, he eight, would have found a, a a drawbridge that would have let him go mm-hmm. across. It was eight tenths of a mile <clears> from where he had previously crossed. And then he left the thing and said, hey, he left a note, please help. And then his last journal entry read, beautiful blueberries. And then the rest were only marked with slashes. So more than likely, he spent his last days, you know, crapping his pants. But they do have several death scenarios, which is great. Uh, so let's see. Um, let's see. He might have been poisoned by toxic alkaloid called Swain, uh, Swainsion by ingesting seeds containing the toxin or possibly a mold that grows on them when he put them in a damp plastic bag. Okay, that inhibits the metabolism of glycoproteins which causes starvation despite ample caloric intake. Uh, There's another person who said there were no toxic alkaloids present in the seeds that he had been eating and what are they saying? Some sweet of the wild sweet peas given as the cause of McCandle's death and into the wild found no toxic compounds so they're not saying that he was poisoned. Um, A new a new hypothesis is that, let's see, hand poisoning, uh, he put forward that the proposal that McCandless starved to death because he was suffering from paralysis of his legs induced by 
latherism, which prevented him from gathering food or hiking out. Latherism would be caused by ODAP poisoning from the seeds of the wild potato plant. Okay. So whatever it was, everyone keeps saying, no, it was this. No, it was that. No, it was this. No, it was All that. All comes down to starvation, though. Yeah, but when his last entry is beautiful blueberries... <laughs> In a region not known for them, uh, yeah, 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 because they didn't find his they didn't find his uh, body for a while, right? <coughs> I actually think it was only a few months because he they as I understand it he I mean he hiked he only he didn't hike that far into the park. Mm-hmm. He he, and he found a tour bus that was abandoned there. So it was a place that people frequented. The tour bus itself was actually used by many people as a stopover before getting to another hunting area. Yeah, it actually yeah. had like a, a chimney and a flue and a and a and a way to it, the, all the seats were taken out. It was actually converted into a place where people could stay if need be mm-hmm. to stay safe. And and he found it and he was just living out of it. And people, I, I as I understand it, people did encounter him there and they were like, yeah. Oh well, we were going to stay here, and they they just chose not to. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't accept any help because he thought, "I yeah, I can survive winter with no winter clothes." <sighs> it's fucking Alaska. Uh-huh. Anyway, well, it's not cold there. No, not at all. It's not. It's actually quite warm there now. I guess that there's no there's, there's no fucking <laughs> polar ice caps anymore. All right. It started with Laura as a child playing with her friends outside an orphanage about to go to her new adopted family. Years later, she comes back with her family of her own, Carlos, her husband, and Simon, her adopted son. They want to make it into the house for disabled children, giving Simon real friends while helping the parents of kids. When Laura and Simon go to the beach, he finds... While helping the parents of trees. (laughs) Did I say trees? No, but it's just a strange sentence. While helping the parents... Of the kids. Okay. What else would parents be parents of? Um, bad people. (laughs) (laughs) When Laura and Simon go back to the beach, he finds a new friend amongst the caves named Thomas. Simon leads him back to the house, and that's when things get really weird. Simon goes missing. After an argument with Laura on the day they invite the kids over to see which would be moving in with them, Laura slowly falls into depression while making everyone think she's going insane. The motion picture ends bittersweet with both Laura and Simon finding one another again dead, but the ghost children now having someone to take care of them and play with them. Oh, okay. Mm. Which is really freaky if you think about it long enough. <clears throat> there are children that died in that house from form painful sickness, and those kids were Laura child worst childhood orphan friends i can understand why she goes back to the house after all those years but why were those kids so mean to her for example that fine-tuned your treasure game that led simon to find the folder on him okay i've never seen the movie so i don't know well i think he would have funned out sooner or later i can also see why she kept it to herself it's not like anything would have changed if he knew or didn't know however he does have every right to be angry he did just figure out that he's dying from an incurable disease although him running away is a bit of a stretch, but he does. You know what else is a bit of a stretch? Ghosts. <laughs> Don't be like that. I'm being like that. Um, when Laura finally snaps and starts to play with the ghost children to get her son back, I noticed that you could barely see any of the kids' faces. This made them seem even scarier to me. In addition, you never see Thomas's face until the end, making me think his face was all my deepest fears. Little things is a... Sh- oh, wow, and that's the end. <laughs> That's the end of that. I, I think we should stop here. It's okay. Wait, how long is this next bit? Is it log? Is it super log? No, is I don't. I, no. We no. can save it for part two. We can save it for part two. No, part two or three. I mean, where is it? I don't know. We just did voices that time. I don't, I don't feel good about it. It's okay. I don't care how you feel. Do you know how many times, <laughs> actually, I have to say, do you know how many times I've walked away from the cast and the, 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 the podcast and been like, I just felt like I phoned it in that time. Like, You're I didn't faking really... it? No, but like just didn't felt like I just felt like I wasn't funny or didn't say anything funny enough. Like the funniest thing said said in this entire episode was what? I'll go down a period. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you read something in Oswald's voice. I love that. Okay, that's it. I heard Addie's feelings during the break, so <laughs> He's pouting, and now he's angry at me. So no, I'm not angry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I talked over his feelings I, like I, I always do. I wasn't upset about that. I was upset that I was like trying to think of something funny to say, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. I don't know what's going on. He thinks he phoned it in this show, folks. What do you think? Leave a comment in the comment section.
just... And also leave your shitty stories. Yeah, that too. Okay, well, let me finish. This has been Jason Harding. It's fine. Oh, God. I thought it was talking to Ed. I'm still here. Oh, my God. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Okay, well, she's having a meltdown. (laughs) Hello. You miss my steampunk midgetness? (laughs) Did you just say... What did you say? I said so. I didn't say anything. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) What's really great is he's actually morphing into each one of these characters over Skype. It's just... (laughs) We need to go see a doctor, Addy. (laughs) There are no doctors anymore. They killed them all. (laughs) Okay, we're going to end this before we slip further and further into your psyche. Uh, goodbye, everybody. No, not him. Good goodbye. I'll accept that. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> With a shrug, whatever. Goodbye. Uh, uh, I'm not funny. Not today, anyway. Oh, you're always funny. You I'm make fu- me laugh. I'm funny like how? Like I'm, I'm funny like a baked clown. Yeah. Like a baked <laughs> one, like one cooked in the oven. <laughs> you're like someone threw a clown in the oven. It's funny. You eat it, <laughs> and then you eat it, and you go, "This tastes funny." Imagine if that was the greatest stage show ever produced. Like, people just, like, they'd, come one, come all, as we put a clown in the oven. I'd pay money to see that. Honk, honk, honk. My name is Bubble the Clown, and I'm going to sit in this oven while they heat it up to 900 degrees. It's not an oven, I'm sorry, it's not an oven, it's a kiln. (laughs) It won't just heat up to 900, it'll heat up to 12 or 12 to 2,000 degrees. (laughs) It'll burn my flesh off before I can even feel it. That'll be the funniest <laughs> part. <laughs> You'll literally turn my skeleton to nothing but calcium deposits. <laughs> well, goodbye, kids. <laughs> How do you think they get the calcium that they use to put in, in dog food that turn the, the dog's poop it's, white? <laughs> it's like a reverse clown car. It's just one clown after another jumping into the kiln. <laughs> Where do you think Pennywise? came from. He's the ghost of all of us after we've been sacrificed. No, he's not. He's a giant spider creature. That's I finally saw the movie, by the way. I finally oh, saw you, the movie. Oh, you did? Did you like yeah, it? Yeah, I liked it, it a lot. pretty well done, wasn't it? That, oh, so much more well done than that nostalgic piece of crap ABC made for TV movie. Alright, now, now like, we're not friends anymore. It's not like that one. <laughs> I was nine years old when that came out, so it's important yeah. to me. Well, I'm Although glad it's I, But I say, the, the new one was actually really good. It was, I, I was like... I was surprised at how good it was. They just, they really fit, they, and the way that they moved the timeline seamlessly so that it yeah. fits more and, and all that, it's just perfect. And here's the thing, the Pennywise in the movie is infinitely more <coughs> scary than the Tim Curry one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking chop your dick off. I'm sorry, you thought it was scary because you were nine years old. Do you know how old I was when that came out? 28. <laughs> Thanks! <laughs> 40. Fuck you! <laughs> Tim Curry is awesome. I'm not saying that Tim Curry isn't awesome. I just didn't find that version of Pennywise <coughs> scary. He didn't match up what I pictured when I read the book. Okay. Okay. I, I right. when I read the book, I picture him and not. The I new didn't guy, like because he I used you know he was like hey he was doing that kind of weird voice that's kind of not scary at all. Campy. You know he what was I was a little, watching earlier. You know that's what it was. He was a little too campy. Where in the movie you felt like Pennywise literally was something that was disguising itself like a clown. Like, just barely disguising itself like a clown. That's true. And there were shots in there that, like, when he comes out of the uh, the slide projector thing, mm-hmm. and he's huge... Um, I, I just liked it a lot more. I really did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I thought I thought my favorite part, my favorite was uh, Finn Wolfhard's performance of uh, um, Richie Tozier. He did a very good job because that's exactly how I expected Richie to act. I felt all the kids did a really good job, actually. I thought him the most, though, just because, like, I, when you read Richie in the book, like, uh, the kid portrays it like to a T how you'd how you'd expect the kid to act in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he and the this I, my favorite scene that I. When and I watched, and like I said, I recently I got my daughter into horror movies, and that was, this was the this was the first horror movie she had ever seen. And I said it won't be that scary, and she hid her face under a pillow the first few times she would. She kept watching it because she loves Finn Wolfhard. Oh, she loves him. 
she has a crush on him. I'm pretty sure that she loves him. But anyway, there's a scene. There's a scene where the and where if anybody's read the book, they know that there's a, a, a an, what's called the chapter is called the apocalyptic rock fight, where yeah. um, the um, Henry which is Bowers, actually in the movie. Henry Bowers is stomping. Uh, well, in the in the book, I believe he's just chasing him, calling the, him the N word. And uh, uh, in the in the in the movie, he's pushing his face into a packet of raw meat and saying, "Eat it." Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the other the losers club comes upon them and and they start they start throwing rocks. And there's this there's this scene. Okay, and I I gotta say I got a little teary eyed because the boy who plays Ben Hanscom grabs grabs a rock and and just shouts at the top of his lungs. He just goes ah because he's so mad that they're making yeah. fun of the girl and i'm uh-huh. like I, I get a little teary-eyed when he does that because you know how much ben loves her and then he start they start throwing the, they throw a rock and then all of a sudden finn goes rock war <laughs> like i every time she and i watch the movie we start laughing our asses off because he, <laughs> he says that anyways <sighs> anyway we said goodbye a long time ago goodbye steampunk midget <laughs> goodbye georgie <laughs> Who do you think is scarier? Do you think Gloria would beat Pennywise in a fight? I think Pennywise would leave the planet. <laughs> Where are you going? We're friends now. You're my boyfriend. Come back. No, you're not. Oh, my God. Get the fuck out of here. You I don't care be- what you look like. I love you no matter what. Touch yeah. me. Touch me in the wet spot. <laughs> I feel your pussy. I okay, was, we can't like end on that show? line. We just can't. <laughs> Would you like a Vaseline sandwich? <laughs> help, help me. Help, please kill me. <laughs> help, please. Bye, everybody. All right, goodbye, everybody. The Lemmy Finish podcast is a Lemmy Listen podcast production with Atticus Blake and Jason Harding with music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Let Me Listen podcasts at our website at www.letmelistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, and iTunes. Please like and leave a review. And thank you for listening. <laughs>